listen to my story. This may be our last chance. Culture Addicts, welcome to a historical episode here in the canon of the new TNN podcast. My name is Jodice, and welcome to Junkman, the show here on the new TNN podcast feed, where we take a look at some cinema that has not been held in the highest regard, and we watch it, we talk about it, and we decide, is it junk, or is it, you know, okay? Is it just getting a bad rap for no particular reason? And as we said up top, which was just like 30 seconds ago, it's history in the making. I'm not trying to make a big deal out of every little thing that I do, folks, but I got to tell you, judging from the episode roster, this is the 150th episode that Johnny C has produced on his little old podcast feed called The New TNN, formerly The Aqua Cave. And you know what? It's... It's cool. You know, like, it's not really worth, you know, I'm not, like, putting myself on a pedestal. I'm not, like, fucking changing the world or anything. But you know what? I'm kind of happy that I've touched this milestone. So, yeah, thanks for coming along on the ride with me. So, we've done this every 50 increments. What the hell does that mean? Well, the 50th episode was a special look at Transformers the movie from 1986. And the 100th episode was a very special review of Rollerball. Starring Chris Klein and LL Cool J. So, now that we've hit 150, we need to do another movie. A- absolutely. I mean, that's sort of the precedent that we've set. And I think we've got a real special one for you. It comes from the year 2004, and it's called The Passion of the Christ. Now, this is a movie that I have seen before. But i got to tell you, I saw it in theaters shortly after it came out. And I was blitzed to holy hell. So I don't remember anything. Alright, so this is sort of a first watch for me. Now, this movie, very popular when it came out. Uh, Extremely successful upon release. I believe it made like $612 million worldwide. Which is quite an accomplishment. Uh, Despite all that though, there has never been a sequel. You know, if this movie had come out in, like, 2014, like 10 years later, this probably would have spawned an entire cinematic universe because it is an interesting tale. You know, it builds a world mythology, but we'll get to all of that, okay? The the big ticket item off the top 
is that the film is directed by actor turned director Mel Gibson. You might remember Mel Gibson from hating his wife's fake tits or her pussy from behind. If not, you might remember him as Riggs from Lethal Weapon. You might remember him as Maverick from Maverick. You might remember him as the guy who says, Give me back my son! from Ransom. And, you know, he's in other stuff, too. But those are the those are the big-ticket items that jump to mind. I'm sure I'm forgetting something huge. Oh, yeah, he's the original Mad Max. Although, in my opinion, none of those three movies holds a candle to Mad Max Fury Road. But that's, 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 that's fine. It's neither here nor there. It's just, just one man's opinion. Now, this movie uh, stars not... A lot of stars. Now, what does that mean? Well, there's only really two people in this film that I know by name or from anything else, and that's fine. But as is tradition here, we talk about the director, we talk about the cast, we we run through a brief plot synopsis, and, and then we start going. So, you know, in order to in order to adhere to tradition, let's take a look at who's in this thing. Now, we've got Jim Caviezel playing a character named Jesus. He's the lead. We've got Maya Morgenstern playing a character named Mary. Uh, she is the mother of the Jesus character. Luca Linello, which sounds like a badass video game character's name, uh, portraying a character named Judas. And we've got Monica Bellucci as a character named Magdalene. You might know Monica Bellucci from being naked, like all the time. And that's fine. As an actress or an actor, use whatever you can that's a part of your craft to tell the story of your character. Yeah, that's that's the that's the PC way we're going to talk about that. You might remember her from such films as Irreversible. Which, you know what? Count your lucky stars. I'm not doing Irreversible for the 150 episode spectacular. So, like I said, movie very financially successful, never spawned any sequels. Well, I got to tell you, I feel like this film could have spawned a cinematic universe, and I stand by that. Uh, let's take a look at the plot synopsis, okay? Uh, because, like I said, this, this movie does a lot of... Uh, well, it doesn't do a lot of world building. As a matter of fact, this movie is sort of short on explaining itself. We'll talk about that as we go along, but I don't know. I almost feel like this is sort of a reverse Star Wars. Because, you know, Star Wars started with Episode 4, but it wasn't really Episode 4, but it's, like, successful, so we made a bunch of sequels. You know, it's like, this movie feels like the middle chapter of something that I missed out on. But here's what I was able to garner from the film. On an unknown planet, a wizard that was given power from his unseen father is betrayed by a member of his coven and arrested by a, a council of the ruling government. It appears the government believes that by pretending to be a wizard, Jesus creates an unstable situation that will give false hope to the people and weaken their ability to rule. Rather than use his powers to fight back from imprisonment, the wizard Jesus allows himself to be tried, believing that if he is executed, he will purge the planet of an unseen enemy called... Sin. And yes... That's pretty much the plot of Final Fantasy X, give or take. I mean, both movie, the movie and the video game are based around the fact of killing an eponymous monster named Sin. And self-sacrifice 
is a part of that Final Fantasy X narrative. And here, the wizard Jesus appears to need to die in order to defeat sin. So I like the brand synergy. Now, one thing that's unique about this film is that all of the dialogue is spoken in the native tongue of the planet that these characters are inhabiting, which remains unnamed. Um, but, you know, it, it can't be Earth, obviously, because we've got magic and all sorts of creatures. Like, well, not all sorts of creatures, but we've got a couple of magic users. We've got, like, uh, powers and stuff like that. So, again, cinematic universe in the making. There are elements of, like, Lord of the Rings here, Harry Potter, a little bit of Star Wars. So, it just, it's really shocking, given the financial success and the, the sci-fi fantasy elements of play, that there's no sequels. But what I was trying to get to is that uh, they speak the entire film in like whatever language they speak on this planet, uh, but it has roots in our languages. They, they, I guess they hired some some uh, dialogue folks to to create this 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 language using Latin, Hebrew, and Aramaic. So that's kind of cool. I mean, that's fucking commitment. And all of the actors speak this language. Um, I mean, fuck, that's commitment. You know what I mean? You talk about method acting. I'll tell you what. Um. And like I said, I have seen this before, but, you know, really, really blitzed. That being said, I think it's time to jump into this bad boy, because there is a lot to talk about. Uh, now, most like most great movies we talk about on Junk Man... Oh, and I should just point out, if you, this is considered junk. It's got a 49% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, so there you go. Which I kind of see where they're coming from, because this bad boy is thin on plot, and you've really, really got to figure it out on your own. But we open with some a scroll... The, the words don't actually move, but it is on-screen text. It reads, He was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our inequities. By his wound, we are healed. Now, I think this is supposed to be uh, an excerpt from, like, the literature of this planet after the events of the film. Like, it's as almost as if someone pulled a book off a library shelf to read this story, and... You know, they're sort of giving you the ending because when the Jesus character dies and defeats Sin, the big creature that we never see, um, you know, I guess the world is allowed to continue because this big monster doesn't show up to eat people anymore like it does in Final Fantasy X. That's, again, an inference that I had to make because this film never, ever shows the big enemy monster named Sin. It's too bad, really. Um, we open up in a forest. Strangely, this planet also has a single moon that looks like the Earth's moon. That's fine. I mean, you gotta, you know, incorporating elements like that, like that makes people feel more comfortable with a crazy sci-fi fantasy world. I understand that. Now, we right away meet the Jesus character. Uh, He's wearing some Jedi slash wizard robes. So, again, I feel comfortable with these fantasy elements. Jesus is trying to communicate with his father. Now, i got to tell you, as I've said, and this is the first instance, the movie does not do a very good job of world building. Like, we have no idea how magic on this planet is learned. We never see the father character that Jesus is uh, trying to commune with that I guess gave him his powers. Again, I'm inferring that. But it kind of feels like Jesus is trying to do a force ghost thing talking to his dad. And and so that makes me feel comfortable. So I'm able to go with it. Now, members of his coven are with him. uh, But they are asleep, not watching 
Jesus do the Force Ghost thing with the daddy. And for all the creativity of this movie that we've already given it credit for, I feel like the writers went out for a piss break when it was time to name the characters in Jesus' posse. Because listen to these names. Peter. James. John. I mean, really just run-of-the-mill Earth names, for God's sakes. But whatever, it's fine. Uh, None of these members of the coven never exhibit any powers or enhanced abilities, so I think that they're just regular people that support Jesus so he can defeat sin. Uh, It seems that the overwhelming opinion on this planet is that Jesus is crazy because he can use magic, which, again, makes me feel like X-Men. So I'm comfortable, and I keep going. Now, Jesus has been unable to communicate with the daddy, and it looks like he's been weakened by this attempt. Uh, and, he, and he goes to wake up the members of his coven so they can you know, keep an eye out because he's got to try to talk to dad, and he's going to be in a weakened, vulnerable state when he does it. The coven members are freaking out because Jesus is all sweaty and exhausted, and it turns out that Jesus had a vision of betrayal uh, at a big dinner ceremony that they had previously. Meanwhile, at the Imperial Senate, I, I guess, uh, we meet like 12, I don't know, it's a big group of guys, and they appear to be the government of this planet. Uh, they're offering to pay a gentleman named Judas, who is a member of Jesus's coven, to give up Jesus's location. So I guess they can capture him. Now, these government dudes, they all kind of look like they're modeled after Jafar, you know, from the cartoon Aladdin. I mean, they all have giant staffs, and they wear big Pope hats, and they've got Floyd robes. Again, giving me some Jedi Sith vibes. They never use any magical powers, but they sure as fuck do look like evil wizards. And, you know, the snaps don't have magic snake heads on them, and there's no talking parrots. Although this movie could have used a talking parrot every once in a while to, you know, fucking uh, lighten the load, if you will. Um, but, you know, like I said, these guys are definitely, I mean, they're almost like caricatures of bad guy characters. Like, they're so evil and conniving, it's almost comical. I'm not sure what director Mel Gibson is even trying to say about these guys, but he definitely hates them. I mean, it's a good thing they're just the bad guys on this fictional planet that takes place, you know, in a galaxy far, far away. Uh, And they don't really actually seem to be stand-ins for anything in our world because, holy fuck, Mel Gibson hates these guys. Like, really? I mean, he just... They might as well be the most evil people in the history of this sci-fi fantasy world. I mean, they're greedy. They're assholes. Uh, They killed this magic guy that just wants to defeat the evil monster. I mean, there are no redeeming qualities about them, according to director Mel Gibson, it seems. But I'm just a guy with a podcast. I don't don't really know. I don't really know if it's the case. Uh, They do buy the location of the Jesus from... I wonder if that's where the guys in the Big Lebowski... No, because Big Lebowski is like 10 years before this movie even came out. So I wonder... Jesus, did they steal the main character's name from the Big Lebowski? And I also think Jesus, that's just the Americanized version of the Hispanic name Jesus. That's okay. I mean, there's, so none of the names in this movie are really original, except for Magdalene. That's kind of a unique name, but we'll get to her a little bit later. Judas, of course, is a pretty cool name. You would have heard the big song up top from a Lady Gaga. Man, I wonder if she likes this movie. And um, I don't know, maybe there's a comic book about Judas where he has like 
more to do or something like that, because his story definitely ends in this picture, but we'll get to that a little bit later. They toss Judas a sack of 30 silver pieces or what have you, and it's really dramatic. It's in slow motion, and Judas definitely ain't got no magic because he fumbles this fucking uh, bag of coins like he's a wide receiver for... I don't know, any team in the original XFL. It's very dramatic, though, how he drops them. But Judas tells the evil wizards... Well, they're not evil wizards, though. What? what I guess we'll just call them the Imperial Senate. Uh, Judas tells the Imperial Senate uh, where they can find uh, Jesus out in the woods. And the Imperial Senate bad guys tell the stormtroopers to go out there and get me a Jesus. Back in the forest, Jesus, still trying to communicate with Father asking him to rise and defend him. Save me from the traps they have sprung, the Jesus says. It seems that the process, again, to communicate with Dad is oh so taxing, because Jesus is even sweatier, he's even weaker than he was earlier, and now he's crying. And this is where confusion really comes into play for me. Because before things go south, for Jesus, it seems like he doesn't want to fight the evil monster known as sin. But later, it seems like he's okay to die to defeat him? Because he's all like, protect me, dad. Like he needs his dad to come back and fight the monster for him. But then later he's like, oh, it's cool, I'll take care of it. Shit really goes off the deep end here, as out of nowhere, as Jesus is trying to talk to the force ghost of his dad, some sort of an evil wizard appears. Now, this character comes and goes a few times. They're never really identified. I'm assuming they're an evil wizard because they're, again, wearing robes. But this, these robes are black. And uh, they're wearing a hood. And they, here in just a moment, exhibit powers of magic. Uh, but this woman because it is it's a female like I don't know who I don't know what she, what her origin is I don't know how she got powers I don't know if her and Jesus are entangled in this decades long battle for brand supremacy shades of WrestleMania I just don't get it uh and I think Jesus is the only one that can see this evil wizard because the fucking brand name posse Peter John Paul Frank Bill Tony like they don't see this girl at all the Dark Wizard asks if Jesus truly believes that one man can defeat sin. Well, no, it's going to take at least six. You need the main character, the summoner, the samurai, the thief. You need the black mage. You need the lancer dragoon. And you need, uh, what's Waka's job? Ah, I don't know. The fucking warrior? Yeah, sure, we'll go with that. Those are That's a big Final Fantasy X reference for everybody. Uh, but Jesus doesn't even answer her. He's like, Father, save me. Father, save me. Jesus seems to lack the will to want to fight. Which, again, kind of makes him a shitty wizard good guy, but that's fine. Dark Wizard says defeating sin isn't possible under any circumstances. Does a Dark Wizard work for sin? Does a Dark Wizard want sin to destroy all of the fucking people that inhabit this planet? Like, I don't get Dark Wizard's motivation. And again, Jesus just keeps asking for help, telling his father that he will do whatever dad tells him to do, and then Jesus promptly passes out. The dark wizard asks Jesus who his daddy is. Missed opportunity for the dark wizard to say, Jesus, who is your daddy and what does he do? But again, this confuses me, 
because Jesus and Dark Wizard are the only people in the movie that use magic, so you would think that Dark Wizard would, like, you know, have some sort of shared history with Jesus. Suddenly, a fucking maggot crawls out of the Dark Wizard's nose. It's gross. Then the Dark Wizard summons a snake, so finally we see some magic being used. Uh, Dark Wizard sends the snake off to attack Jesus. Jesus wakes up at the last second, and in a pretty boss move, crushes the snake's head uh, with his badass sandals, because Jesus has got some fucking fighting sandals on, and I'm here for it. But at this moment, the troops arrive to arrest Jesus with Judas leading them. Judas gives Jesus a kiss and calls him Rabbi? Which, again, is weird, because that's a real-world thing from our planet Earth. But again, that's fine. I guess they're just trying to make us feel comfortable with their crazy sci-fi fantasy elements. A fight scene happens, and it is weak. Like, weak, weak sauce. The choreography is bad, and Jesus' coven of fighters with dull names are really bad at fighting. Uh, In the melee... One of the evil stormtroopers gets his ear cut off. And we finally, finally see Jesus use some magic as he picks the stormtrooper's ear up off the ground, casts a spell, and reattaches it to the trooper who's, like, bewildered and, like, just totally transfixed by this. Almost as if Jesus has used some sort of spell to make this man want to follow him. Like, uh, like Like a fucking Jedi mind trick, if you will. Because the other troopers have to convince this guy to get up and keep fighting. Um, And, you know, I I don't... It's really weird, too, because Jesus says, All right, guys, that's enough. No more fighting. And, And I don't understand this because I felt like Jesus didn't want to die, but now he's giving up. I was so disappointed because a fight scene finally started happening. And I was like, Jesus Christ, man, come on, throw a Hadouken fireball or something. But no... He just surrenders, Obi-Wan Kenobi style, you know, because Obi-Wan gave up the fight with Doth. So I don't know. It's just, it's very strange. Like we have a very, uh, we have a protagonist that doesn't seem very active, you know. Uh, But I guess part of the journey is, you know, coming to understand what drove Jesus to this point. Maybe he fought in some sort of great battle and killed like a trillion people. And now he's just like, eh. Yeah, I'm good. I killed a lot of people. Let's just, let's kill Sid and get the fuck out of here and go have a beer. But of course, to defeat Sid, you must die. Does he know this? This movie is confusing, and it does real shitty world building and has a weird mythology. So we're just going to have to go with it moving forward. Now that Jesus has surrendered, however, uh, we have to continue our quest to try and understand what's going on in this picture. We cut to a cottage. And we meet two new characters, a couple of ladies. Uh, Mary is the first character we meet. She appears to be the mother of Jesus. And then we meet Magdalene, who I'm assuming is Mary's wife because they live together. Mary has a nightmare and wakes up to thinking something bad has happened. Well, uh, you know, as we've prophesied, Jesus appears to come from a a bloodline of magic users, so I don't know if she's, like, Force-sensitive and can sense these things, but I'm getting that sort of inkling here. Sure enough, uh, one of uh, Jesus' merry men, uh, John, again, with these names, John shows up and confirms they have seized him. Now, (laughs) the guards have Jesus in chains, and they're just 
casually beating him for funsies as they walk through, like, the town. And look, this is absolutely wrong, uh, but considering that these guards are basically this planet's equivalent of cops, I mean, it seems to play, unfortunately. It seems to make sense. Now we've got a ridiculously unintentional, hilarious moment here, okay? Jesus and the guards are walking over a bridge, and Jesus is completely tethered up in chains, like some real chains, like Brian Lee chains, okay? And one cop decides to casually give him a reverse knife-edge chop straight to the face, and Jesus tumbles over the bridge, like, walkway, like, right over the edge, like, but here's the kicker. Because Jesus is covered in so many chains, when he falls over the wall, they come to like a right before Jesus hits the ground. It's a pretty decent drop. And Jesus is just dangling here with his face inches from the ground. And he looks like he's just done a bungee cord stunt that's gone wrong. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. And he's just like, okay, okay, whoa, like trying not to hit the ground. I mean... He's not really afraid, but I was feared for him. It's pretty decent stunt work, I'll give you that. But it reminds me of the old uh, Aerosmith video where Alicia Silverstone bungee jumps and then gives everybody the finger. You know, the, the finger. Yes, yes, Goose, I'm familiar with the finger. That whole thing. Uh, now, like I said, he's dangling and he's like, uh, Oh, shit. Oh, shit. To make things worse, Judas, the member of Jesus' posse that betrayed him, is just hanging out in this gully underneath the bridge, I guess just feeling bad about things. And he sees Jesus, and he's got this look on his face like, oh, fuck, I hope he doesn't see me. Oh, I hope he doesn't see me. Sure enough, dangling Jesus, because, you know, gravity, eventually spins around and sees Judas. (laughs) Judas gets this look on his face like, oh, shit, man, I... I gotta go. I left something up in the something on in the oven. But before Judas could run away, all the cops pull Jesus back up to the bridge. And then, suddenly, out of nowhere, as Judas watches Jesus get pulled back up by the cops, a fucking shadow demon. Some sort of a monster demon that looks decayed with bad teeth, appears out of nowhere, screams at the camera and runs toward the camera, and Judas is like, oh, fuck, and runs away in the opposite direction. This shadow demon is never explained. I don't understand it, but I fucking love it. It's the funniest shit I've ever seen. Now, some of these troops that have Jesus arrested go around town and start gathering up some townsfolk, and they're like, wake everybody up, wake everybody up, you've got to come watch this trial. Hey, man, we're going to put Jesus on trial, it's going to be fucking cool, come on, get your popcorn. Uh, Jesus arrives at the Imperial Senate, where sure enough, a crowd has gathered to watch, like it's the goddamn O.J. Simpson trial. The Council of Jafars arrive. And some of Jesus' posse also appear to be in the peanut gallery, watching from the crowd as well. Mary and Magdalene show up too. Now, as Mary and Magdalene show up, some some cops that are horse-riding cops, I guess they're Mounties, and they enforce the law. But because they're mounted police officers, I'm thinking they're higher up on the food chain. So, like, the, the cops that have Jesus in chains are only the cops for the Imperial Senate, the Jafar guys, but the guys on the horses are like state cops. 
So, you know, the, the cops that have Jesus only police the Imperial Senate, and these guys police the entire state, I think. Now, Magdalene begs them. She's like, please, they have a man in there in chains, uh, you know, unwarranted, unjustly. You've got to free them. You've got to get in there and be like, hey, what the fuck is going on? Get those chains off him. He's a hero, goddammit. He's a fucking wizard warrior. He's going to kill sin. Um, and they're like, who? Who did they arrest? And Magdalene says, Yeshua, which is how they say Jesus in their fictional language of this planet. And that's kind of a boss name. Why is his name just not Yeshua? It sounds cool. It sounds badass. You know, it looks good too. Like if it was, if this was a role-playing game and Yeshua was your main character, Y-E-S-H-W-A-H, that's a pretty cool name. That's like Cloud or Tetis or Noctis or Lightning. Those are some badass Final Fantasy names. How come Yeshua doesn't join that pantheon, hmm? The cops don't do anything, but as the crowd flees, they kind of look at each other like, um, we better go wake up the mayor. It sounds like the Imperial Senate might be up to no good. Now the trial is about to start. I'm getting, uh, you know, kind of antsy here because I don't really understand what the fuck is going on. However, Yeshua in chains, and I might, you know, I might, I might filter back, or filter, I might uh, go back and forth between Yeshua and Jesus because, you know, I just went on a whole tangent about how cool Yeshua sounds. Uh, trial's about to start, but Jesus sees a guy working on some wood. And we have a flashback! Now, hey, I started to get a little more excited here. I perked up, and I was ready to take some fucking notes. I was like, here we go. It's time to learn the origins of magic. It's time to learn the origins of Jesus' quest to defeat sin. Maybe Jesus' dad worked on some wood, and he taught Jesus his first magic of lesson while they were making some wood together. Like, because, you know, the guy saw, or Jesus saw this guy working on the wood. It triggers a flashback, you know? It's like if this fucking Bruce Wayne sees a dad and his son walking down the street, it triggers a flashback of, you know, that, that terrible night in Crime Alley. Like, this is movie language 101. So I'm totally okay with it. I, I felt like I had a good understanding of where we were going with this flashback. Maybe we would even under, start to understand what the Imperial Senate's problem with Yeshua even is. Nope! Just Jesus looking pretty much the same age that he is as he's been arrested. Just building a table for a rich guy. Talking to his mom about it. Like, oh yeah, I'm building this table for a rich guy. Mary's like, hey, this table's pretty high up. And they just laugh about it. Flashback over. I will say, one positive thing about the flashback, a couple of things. Uh, we got a real good look, because it's in the daylight, okay? Uh, Jesus is a dead ringer for Seth Rollins in this flashback. The scene, as I said, takes place in the day, and we got a better view of this planet. It's definitely like a desert vibe. I'm getting some hardcore Arrakis vibes. You know, planet Arrakis from Dune? Holy shit, Dune rules. Now there's a movie that knows how to build a sci-fi fantasy world. Holy shit. It's extremely complex and intricate, and I walked away from that movie understanding everything that I needed to, not to mention a badass fucking score. Like when Paul's got his hand in that box, and, and the Betty Jesuit lady's like, who are you? And the fucking soundtrack kicks in, and it's like, Hamanyahamatiha! Benasu! 
Banon Sassou Pas Sassou Ratasson We got nothing like this in this movie. Desperately need it. Meanwhile, we cut to the governor's house. And I know, too many weird things going on here. Uh, the governor's name is Pontius Pilate, we learn. Uh, he's got a girlfriend who's waking up from a nightmare. Lots of nightmares going around. And there's someone at the door. It's the mayor. So we skip the cops talking to the mayor. The mayor went straight to the governor. And the mayor's like, Pontius, man. Uh, the leader of the Senate, Caiaphas, so we finally learn the leader of the Imperial Senate's name, have arrested a prophet. I'm not sure if they mean prophet like someone that sees the future, or if on this planet prophet means a warrior that has been chosen to battle sin. And I won't learn anything in this conversation, because we go right back to the Senate. But I guess the important thing to know is that the uh, you know the higher-ranking government officials are getting involved in this thing. Caiaphas, the leader of the Imperial Senate, oversees the trial of Jesus. Apparently, Jesus calls himself a king. But Caiaphas wants to know, where is your kingdom? So he's a king now? Did he become king because his dad died? Was he the prince of Arrakis? Why is this movie not explaining anything? Then Caiaphas says, you're just the son of a carpenter. All right, so his dad wasn't the king. Was his dad even a wizard? Is Jesus just pulling a joker here? Like, is he just making shit up as we go along? I don't know what's real and what isn't. Jesus says nothing, making my confusion run even deeper. And so the uh, Imperial Senate and some of the troops just start casually bitch-slapping Jesus uh, during this trial to make him talk. Jesus finally says, you know what, guys, I've been open with all of you since day one, and I even taught alongside some of you in the temple. Okay, here we go. Jesus opened his mouth, giving us some information. But based on this information, now all the guys just start punching Jesus to shut him up. Well, that's just great. I, thought, I wanted to know what he had to say. They start spitting on him, too? That's gross. Of course, if this is Arrakis, it's a sign of respect, so I could be wrong. I have no idea, because this movie won't stop to explain anything. Uh, finally, they start to call some witnesses for the prosecution, and some townspeople start to show up talking about why Jesus should be on trial. And, and these were a little eye-opening. First witness says, He cures the sick by magic. Okay, here we go. Magic. Let's hear some more. He cures the sick by magic with the help of devils. Oh, okay. Interesting. Does this mean that Jesus has to tap into evil to use magic? He casts out devils with the help of devils. Okay, so like he's going to kill sin, but to kill sin, he's going to have to summon devil monsters to aid him in the battle. Let's do it! That sounds badass. Jesus with a couple of swords and some fucking demons next to him fighting a giant fish monster. Let's fucking rock and roll. Yeah. Then, the next accusation makes me think I am lost than I even more so than I thought I was. Jesus is a caused uh, accused of calling himself the king of the Jews. Like earth Jewish people? Like no, that can't be what they mean, because we've seen Jesus cast magic, and there's no magic 
on Earth. So what does that mean in terms of this narrative and this epic fantasy that I'm watching? Well, I don't know. I'll just have to table that one, I suppose. He calls himself the Son of God. Oh, okay. So it sounds like this is the backstory we're working with. Uh, I think I think I got it figured out. The planet is corrupted by a monster called Sin, but the planet still functions. Jesus comes from a line of magic users that are destined to defeat Sin. He calls himself, that being Jesus, the Son of God, because magic users are like gods to the people of this planet. And his dad was a magic user, I think. He may have been a secret magic user that just pretended to be a carpenter. That way the evil council of the Imperial Senate wouldn't find him. I don't know. And Jesus will use his magic, which unfortunately is derived from summoning demons. I guess that explains the demon that Judas saw to defeat sin. So I get how the the Vox Populi could be a little nervous. Like, if Jesus has to summon demons to kill the demon sin, what's to make them think, oh, he just works with sin? So I get the confusion here. There's too much brand synergy between Jesus and sin. All right? Jesus uses demons. Sin is a demon. That's, that's sort of what I'm getting. But the Imperial Senate of Jafar's, they can't have someone running around to claim to be in charge when they're not in charge. Because Jesus called himself the son of a god or things like that. And if Jesus is walking around telling people things that aren't actually true, I mean, you can't do that. You can't yell fire in a movie theater if there isn't a fire. So I suppose I see where the Imperial Senate is coming from. And the Vox Populi doesn't understand that Jesus' demon-summoning powers are necessary to defeat sin. It sounds like we've got ourselves a little conflict in a movie. All right. Of course, if I'm wrong, then we have to start all over from scratch. But I'm feeling pretty confident that that's going to be the plot of this movie moving forward at this point in the narrative. And just as I believed that things couldn't get any crazier... We go from strange to even stranger. The next accuser that comes before the council says that Yeshua claims that he is the bread of life. And if we don't eat his flesh or drink his blood, we will not inherit eternal life. And while this statement is being given to the court, we see Judas watching from the audience. Judas, ladies and gentlemen, is banging his head against a column and licking slash biting his own hand. Finally, Caiaphas tells everyone to shut up. Give me some proof. Give me something that I can work with here. Surprisingly, two members of the Imperial Senate seem to support Yeshua. Uh, they speak, you know, like, oh, this is, this is, this is outrageous. This is a farce. The first one of them kind of looks like Boris the Blade. You know, Boris the Blade. Boris the Bullet Dodger. You know, why would they call him Boris the Bullet Dodger? Because he dodges bullets, Avi. That makes sense. The second one kind of looks like Sami Zayn. And Sami Zayn's like, hey, you know what? I looked around here, and it looks like a lot of the Imperial Senate is missing. Perhaps the people that are missing are the ones that would support Yeshua, which makes me, a Johnny C, believe that this entire trial could be a cunning ruse pulled by Caiaphas. You know, 
he, he makes sure that uh, the, the people that would support, uh, you know, the jurors that would rule in his favor aren't there. I mean, it's a pretty genius move, but still, a cunning ruse. Caiaphas does give Yeshua the opportunity to speak. He asks him point blank in front of everybody watching, Are you the Messiah? Yeshua gets real serious and says, I am. Well, I mean, if, if that's, you know, your thing, that's fine. But to me, that sounds like a confession of the crimes that you're being accused of. Any lawyer in the country probably would have told you to not say that, but you did. And I can't take it back. Uh, speaking of things you can't take back, ladies and gentlemen, the performance that the actor that, Kaif, that plays Kaifas is about to give could not be taken back. It's forever ingrained on celluloid. Because as soon as Yeshua says, I am, Kaifas is like, blasphemy! Then, like he's a goddamn rock star. Like Tom Cruise in that one movie, Rock of Ages, Kaifas rips his cloak open like, Oh my God, this is such blasphemy, I can't handle this. Like he's Michael Jackson rubbing his nips. He's like, Oh! It's outrageous! And I love it. The trial is over, though. According to the Imperial Senate, he's guilty as fuck. So, uh, Kaifas walks in and gives him a nice backhand slap. And now... All of the Imperial Senators line up for what I guess would be a slump, a slap punch line. Because it's like, my turn, slap. My turn, punch. My turn, slap. Ah, my turn, punch. As Yeshua is getting punched, we see a lot of the folks in the crowd are happy that this is happening. And hey, Sloth from the Goonies is here laughing his tits off in the audience. I swear he is. Just watch it. You'll see him. Take him away, though. Now, Peter, who's been watching from the crowd, is freaking the fuck out. Some lady's like, hey, I know that guy. That's Peter. He works for Yeshua. Come on, get him up. Get him over there. He needs to be on trial, too. But Peter's like, hey, this lady's crazy. I do not know this guy. Yes, you do. I do not. Yes, you do. I do not. So Peter denies that he knows Yeshua three times. And oh, my goodness, we go to a flashback. All right. I'm down with the flashbacks, folks, because I am confused. All right, I need to understand what's happening. Earlier that day, Peter was talking to Yeshua. And Peter's like, bro, I'll tell you what, man. This has been a crazy ride. I uh, think, you know, we're getting some heat. You know, things are looking like they might get a little crazy. But I'm with you, all right? Ride or die all day long, all right? Whatever happens to you happens to me. You get fucked, I'm fucking. You eat some pizza, I'm eating some pizza. You get, uh, you know, sentenced and punished, I'm getting sentenced and punished. Yeshua's like, Peter, before the sun rises, you are going to deny me three times. And oh, it's a sick bird that happens to be true. Peter's like, bro, no, that is not going to happen. Flashback to the present, folks, and it has happened. The flashback is over. We've learned really nothing. But, you know, Jesus did make this prophecy. So it could be more proof that he's the one that is, you know, destined to defeat the evil sin. I guess we'll just find out as we keep watching. You know, the flashback's over, as I said. Peter sees Mary in the crowd and he starts begging her for forgiveness and then just runs away crying. Judas goes to see the Imperial Senate and he tries to give the money back to Caiaphas. And he's like, hey, take take your silver. Just let Yeshua go free. We'll forget this shit ever happened. 
Kyphus rightfully is like, dude, I ripped my cloak for this. This shit's happening. All right, nothing we can do about it now. Judas gives the coins back and goes to sit in the street just feeling bad about himself. And while Judas is sitting in the street, a couple of kidsters come around and try to see, cheer him up. They're like, hey, what's wrong? He's like, leave me alone. And folks, the kids who were talking to Judas turn into demon children. They bite Judas. They slap him. This movie loves slapping. They tell him that he's cursed. They kind of look like the people, the, 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 the dudes from Munchkinland who's like, it's frightening. The, like the makeup effects. These children will haunt my dreams. Back at the courthouse, Mary looks at a burning fire. Awkwardly. She takes a couple of steps, kneels, and starts rubbing her face against the ground. What? However, it makes sense momentarily. The camera goes underneath Mary, and holy shit, she is rubbing the ground that's right above the cell of Yeshua. And Yeshua's hanging there. Well, not hanging, but he's chained, and he's like, oh, mom, thanks. It's sunrise, though, here on planet Arrakis, I think. And the demon children have chased Judas into the desert, slapping him and continuing to make fun of him. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is why you can't sell to little kids. Like, if a little kid gets under your skin, you can't let them know it because they will continue to do whatever they were doing and run it into the ground. And hey, the demon woman with the maggots and the snake is here, and Judas can see her, but suddenly she's gone and all the demon kids are gone. They're all vanished. And fucking Judas... It's just out in the desert hanging. Ladies and gentlemen, to quote the Joe Schmo show, what is going on? Judas turns around and sees a dead, decaying donkey that's covered in maggots and being swarmed by flies. The donkey has a rope around his mouth because I guess someone was riding him. The bugs that have been eating the donkey swarm around Judas like bats to the Batman. If this would have been the origin story of Fly Man, I would have bought it. But Judas takes the rope, ties it to a tree, ties it around his neck, and folks, that is an exit on Judas as he hangs himself from a tree to the death. Back at the governor's mansion, Pontius Pilate uh, is talking to his lady friend, and the lady friend's like, hey, do me a favor. You got to go out there today. Make sure you pardon Yeshua. And he's like, eh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. And now Yeshua is being led in chains into a giant courtyard, and Pontius Pilate is there, the governor. He's like, hey, wait a minute. I know you guys had your trial, but I haven't weighed in yet. This dude's been beat to shit. What's the deal? Are you punishing people before I render my verdict? What the fuck? Caiaphas is like, oh, I'm sorry, Governor, but I ripped my fancy robe. And also, Governor, if you could just give me a little bit of a favor. Pontius Pilate's like, what do you want? You see, um, I need you to give this guy the death sentence. Because I guess the Imperial Senate can't give out the death penalty. Governor Pontius Pilate is like, Jesus, man, death? What the fuck did this guy do? Caiaphas responds, he has violated our Sabbath. Pontius looks unenthused, and he's like, go on. Oh, okay, uh, well, uh, he seduced people. Go on. 
Um, he taught foul doctrine. Go on. Uh, well, he smells really bad. Go on. Actually, wait, stop. Isn't this guy the prophet that you just invited into the city like five days ago, and now you want me to sentence him to death? I thought you guys were all about it. Meanwhile, Yeshua, instead of pleading for his life, is just watching a bird hover. He's got some really bad ADD. Anyway, Pontius is like, so you want this guy dead now? You invited him in. What the fuck gives? Um, well, governor, actually, you know, we've been saving the big crime for the end, and you'll never guess what else he's done. This dude, Yeshua, has become the leader of a cult that hail him as the son of David. Finally, we know the dad's name. We know that Yeshua, or Jesus, is the son of David. David was the first magic user that defeated sin, and now it's Jesus' turn to use the magic to defeat sin, I think. The governor is like, eh, eh, it's not really a big deal to me. I don't really care. So Caiaphas adds in one more. He also told people not to give the emperor any money. He what? Bring him to me. And the governor takes Yeshua to a private conversation away from prying eyes. He offers him some water. He's like, hey, man, you thirsty? Jesus says nothing. All right. Well, um, are you the king? Jesus is like, are you asking? Or are you asking because they want you to ask? The governor is rightfully like, what? Just are you or aren't you? He's like, dude, I don't care if you're the king of them. Because I'm not one of them. They brought you to me, bro. So you better start explaining some shit. Are you a king? or not. Yeshua says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, you know, my followers would never have let them capture me. Well, I mean, I guess that's sound. The governor's like, so you are a king? Yeah, it's why I was born, to give testimony to the truth, says Yeshua. What the hell happened to defeating sin? Uh, Mary and Magdalene and John show up in the crowd. The governor's wife is here, and it's time for the governor to give his verdict. He's like, well, I questioned him, and you know what? I find no cause in him. Boo, says the crowd. Pontius Pilate's like, now hold on. This guy is a Galilean. Am I correct? Yes. Well, King Herod rules them, so uh, you know what? Go see him. He can decide. Later. See you guys later. Make sure you uh, subscribe and like and leave a review. Pontius Pilate's out. And Pontius Pilate leaves. And now I guess it's go t- time to go see this King Herod guy, I guess. Oh, God. Just when you think you got it figured out. Another layer gets added to the puzzle. Am I starting to respect this movie, though, for keeping the true nature of the film in the shadows? No. No, I am not. So, uh, we arrive at King Herod's place, and, uh, I get a real distinct, like, Jabba the Hutt's palace vibe from this place, and we're not here long, but King Herod pops out, he's kind of a big fat dude, and he's like, woo, look, I think he just got done hitting the pipe, and that's totally fine, uh, but he's, he's certainly been having himself a time, he's got all sorts of ladies and dudes with him and everything, uh, there's one guy passed out sitting next to the throne, Um, he puts on a wig like, oh, oh, I heard Jesus is here. Where is he? Where is he? Caiaphas is like, Jesus is right over here. King Herod goes to look at him, and 
he's he's definitely a little disappointed, okay? He's like, this guy? I I heard rumors that Jesus could restore sight to the blind, that he could raise dead people. Can, can you do that shit? Jesus says nothing. And King Herod's like, um, please? Can you do a little trick for me? Can you do something? Come on! Come on! Let's keep this party going! Come on! Do something! Jesus does nothing. And King Herod's like, ha! Ah, Jesus, this is a waste of my time. Uh, he's also got a tiger on a leash. That's kind of cool. He's like, you know what? This this guy's not guilty of a crime. This this guy's just fucking crazy. Get him out of here. And everybody's like, oh. We cut back to the governor, Pontius Pilate, talking to his lady friend, Claudia. And he's like, Claudia, do you know what the truth is? And she's like, yeah, I know the truth. And he's like, yeah, do you want to know my truth? I'm like, truth.com, the anti-cigarette smoking thing? Caiaphas tells, or Caiaphas, goodness, Pontius Pilate's like, Claudia, look here. If I condemn Yeshua to death, then it's very possible that all the people that believe in him are going to start a rebellion, and people will die. Flip side, if I uh, let him go free, then Caiaphas in the Imperial Senate is going to rebel, and people are going to die. And guess what? The last time I talked to the emperor, whom he refers to as Caesar, thus confusing me even more. Because the last thing you want to do when weaving a fictional narrative together is use terms that people know. I mean, you can do this, okay? But emperor, president, hell, prime minister. But Caesar? A direct reference to the history of the planet Earth? I don't get it. But Caesar, the emperor, told Governor Pontius Pilate that the next time there was bloodshed, it was going to be his blood. So he's between a rock and a hard place. He's fucked this way. He's fucked that way. What is a governor to do? And to make matters worse, a guard storms in like, hey, they're bringing him back. Oh, my day's ruined. But, you know, that's the price you pay to be in charge, I suppose. So now, Governor Pilate is in, like, a completely impossible situation. You know, it's the old, uh, put the dog in the center of the circle and let's both yank on him and whoever gets him out first wins. That sort of thing. Because, But in his world, the Vox Populi are in a frenzy in the courtyard awaiting Pontius to come give a, a ruling, if you will. So Pontius does what any man or woman or person in the same situation would do. They drink some booze and they come up with an ingenious idea. He sits down and he's like, all right, all right, everybody calm down. So uh, King Herod said that uh, Yeshua was okay. And I said he was okay. But it seems to me like all of you still want blood. You've given me an impossible choice. So let's see how all of you do with the same. He then starts to channel a game show host. He's like, all right, folks, every year, you know I free one prisoner, so it's time to play Who's Going Home? And the crowd seems psyched. Pontius Pilate brings out the contestants. All right. On my right, the self-proclaimed prophet, 
son of David, and known magic user, Yeshua! Boo. And on my left, from the Bowery, a man that somehow resembles Terry Funk and Phineas Godwin at the same time. A man with a dead right eye, but also a pretty cool Anakin Skywalker scar. He is a confessed murderer responsible for the killing of innocents, and it's been proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. I give you Baraba! So, what we basically have here, okay, is Pontius Pilate. I mean, this is happening. He's up on a platform, okay? Yeshua's on his right, and this Baraba guy is on his left. And he's basically said, okay, I've given you your own impossible situation now, huh? I mean, how could you possibly choose to let the murderer go free? Because even though this guy's a little... Uh, you can't possibly choose the murderer. He's feeling pretty good about himself. And I have to admit, this is kind of a boss move. It's a power play. Uh, however, Pontius Pilate's lady is up in a tower looking down on him, giving him the stink eye. So he's like, oh, shit, I don't think this is going to work. Uh, Caiaphas, is that his name? Cyphus? Caiaphas? You know, the fucking leader of the Imperial Senate, mounts the steps, and he's like, oh, this is easy. Free... Baraba! Pontius Pilate's like, what? And then the crowd is like, Baraba! 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 At this point, the camera cuts to Baraba, who's in chains, and I've described how he looks. He starts to get this look on his face like, Really? Me? And he starts to kind of smile. And then he starts to kind of get into it, egging on the chance, like, Baraba! Ba-ra-ba. The governor says, Are you sure? Free Baraba! Yeah! It's like Kofi Mania times 20 here. No, it's Baraba Mania. It's unbelievable. You would think this guy was fucking just cured cancer or something. Baraba! Baraba! Yeshua looks at the governor and is like, Eh, figures. Sure enough, Due to fucking popular demand, Baraba is set free and he's laughing like a madman. And I tried to explain that they're up on a platform. To get down, you gotta travel down some steps, okay? As soon as Baraba gets unchained, he goes to the steps and he dances down them like he's Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Before he does, though, he looks over at Yeshua and he's like, eh! It's a living. And then he's dancing. He's free. Oh, yeah. I'm Barba and you're not. It's insane. I should mention at this point, you know, we talked about how Barba's like got an eye that doesn't work. It's like a shadow eye. Well, I don't know what's called. I'm not trying to make fun of that situation. It's a real thing. Uh, but Yeshua has been punched and slapped so many times at this point that his right eye is completely swollen shut. Pontius Pilate's like, all right, uh, well... Baraba's free now. So what are we going to do now, huh? Hmm? What do you want me to do with Yeshua? Everybody kind of looks around. And then, like it's Rodney Dangerfield at the end of Caddyshack, somebody yells, Hey, everybody, we should crucify him! Yeah! 
crucify him? Like, like on the Undertaker symbol? What the fuck is going on? I don't understand any of this. The crowd then starts a crucifixion chant. Crucifixion. Crucifixion. I mean, look. I might be being a little silly about it, but they do start chanting it. Now Pontius Pilate looks at Yeshua and he's like, ah. (laughs) And Yeshua has this look on his face like, nice plan, dick. Pontius, though, makes a choice. He says, no, I will not crucify him. I will chastise him, and then we will set him free. Boo, says the crowd. Pontius tells his guards to take him, go punish him severely, but do not kill the man. And after that, we're done. This whole thing is done, done, dunsies. So the guards take Yeshua to an isolated area, kind of like a prison yard, if you want to think about it, on our earth. And there are a bunch of guards just hanging out with a shit ton of weapons, looking like they're just waiting to clock in for work, and they're excited about it. These are like muscle dudes. Now, there is one of the guards who's sitting at a table. I guess he's the administrator of the punishment group. (laughs) I mean, literally, because he's there, like, guarding the weapons. They hand him a scroll. This dude looks like William Sadler from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, by the way. So they hand the Grim Reaper William Sadler a scroll, and he reads it like, Oh, all right, looks like this guy needs to be punished. The orders have come down from up high. And the punishment guards start laughing like, Ha ha, yeah, fresh meat. Hey, fish, what are you going to do now, fish? You're mine, fish. Uh, two of the guards with muscles even bark at each other like dogs and almost kiss, which is fine, but I, I feel like they better not, or in this planet, you're getting fucking your dick cut off for sure. Uh, they strip Yeshua down to his unmentionables, like a diaper sort of configuration here, and they, they tie him up. I guess they're going to start whipping him or something. All things considered, though, considering that the request was death via a very painful manner, I guess, you know, at this point, as I'm watching the movie, I'm thinking, well, he's getting off pretty light. I mean, okay, they're going to whip him, uh, but I've seen Starship Troopers. Johnny Rico got whipped with that laser whip, which was looked very painful, but he turned out okay. I mean, how bad could this really get, huh? Huh? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I was wrong. I was oh so very, very, very fucking wrong because holy shit, it gets so much worse. What the fuck am I watching? Because, ladies and gentlemen... For the next, oh, I don't know, ten minutes or so, the entire movie stops dead to become a snuff film. Yeshua is whipped, punched, whipped, punched, hit with the goddamn cat of nine tails. It's gross. It's really gross. Like I'm seeing flesh getting ripped from his body. I have no idea. How this gets us to the end game slash final battle with Sin. Ah! Oh, and guess who shows up to watch? As if it couldn't get any worse. The evil black mage lady from earlier is here. Oh my god, as she's watching, she's smiling and holding a baby. The baby turns around to spike the camera, and the baby! has the face of a full-grown man 
It's like somebody took Danny DeVito's mini-me from Austin Powers in Goldmember and crossbred him with Andy Serkis doing like Gollum, Supreme Leader Snoke, and what the fuck, Claw, all at the same time. But it's on a baby's body! I think the baby even coos like he's motherfucking Grogu. Needless to say, I'm freaked the fuck out. Mary and Magdalene are watching too. Oh, that seems like a good idea. At one point, Pontius Pilate's lady friend gives Mary and Magdalene some white towels and runs away. Finally. We break away from the beating for another flashback. Okay, you know what? I'll go with it. If we're going to watch this beating go on and on and on, at least we're finally going to get some more background info from the flashback. Nope! In the flashback, Yeshua washes John's feet. Clearly Quentin Tarantino's favorite scene in this entire film. And Yeshua is like, now remember, if the world hates you, Don't forget, they hated me first. And they can hate me now, but I won't stop now. You can hate me now, but I'm Yeshua now. You can hate me, but don't hate the money I got. The Miz is my man. I think he's going to cash in. That's going nowhere. Fair enough, though. I mean, that's good. That's sound advice. He also tells them that don't worry, someday soon the helper will come. Who? Who's the helper? And the flashback, the mayor shows up like, hey, dudes, that is enough. Governor said punish him, don't kill him, clean him up and take him back to Pontius Pilate. So they drag Yeshua away. There's a massive trail of blood. Gross. And then... After everybody leaves, Mary and Magdalene take the white towels they were given and they start to wipe up the insane amount of blood that is splattered all over the courtyard. Like in a movie that is full of unrealistic things, the fact that they appear in just a few moments after cleaning this up is the most unrealistic thing in the entire movie. Because it would take days to clean all this blood up. And they only got, like, two white towels? Well, those towels are ruined. And there's no way they're getting this done in time to join the parade that takes place in a few moments. But we'll get to the parade. We have another flashback. It's Magdalene's flashback. I think this is her origin story. Uh, It doesn't tell us how she came to love and live with Mary. But in this flashback, an angry crowd of people, a lot of that in this movie, stand in front of Yeshua, but at a distance. Yeshua bends over and draws a literal line in the sand. And folks, when I say he draws a line in the sand, he draws a line in the sand using the cinematic special effect technique known only as bullet time. Because as his finger drags through the sand, the movie goes to super slow motion, and the sand is flying up like poof. It's like Zack Snyder directed this shot, okay? It's so slow, and the sand is flying so high. The crowd that's watching begins to throw rocks. Magdalene crawls up to Yeshua and kisses his sweet battle sandals that we talked about earlier. And somehow, none of the rocks that are thrown end up crossing the line. 
back to reality, your son's on crack, and your daughter's got nut stains on her back. That is an insane clown posse reference. I apologize. In the stables, the guards give Yeshua a cloak to wear so he's no longer in a diaper. And some asshole guard has made a, and I'm doing the finger quotes thing, crown for the false king to wear. It is like a circular crown that's made of rose bush branches. It's full of thorns. They place it on his head. And then they beat it with like hammers. So the thorns stab his head and the crown stays in place. What the hell is this? What the fuck is wrong with film director Mel Gibson? Is he jerking off in the corner while he's watching this? If Yeshua doesn't pop up and start using kung fu or shooting some fireballs or something, I'm going to be very disappointed. Because these guys are being dicks. They are cops, though, so I guess it plays. Again, though, it's time for Pontius Pilate to try to figure this fucking thing out. And we're back in the courtyard. The crowd is gathered up again. And uh, Pontius Pilate brings up Yeshua. And he's like, all right, folks, take a good fucking look. The crowd does look, and they're like, eww. Well, finally, some common fucking sense from the crowd. Uh, Pontius Pilate's like, all right, you see what I did? We're good, right? Everything's fine. We can just move about with our days. Caiaphas, out of nowhere, crucify him! The crowd, once again, is like, yeah! ECW! 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 Pontius Pilate's like, Seriously? Pontius Pilate, though, refuses. But then, a certain pocket of the crowd starts to revolt and fight. And Pontius Pilate, you can tell in his face, he starts to freak the fuck out like rebellion is imminent. Some One of these two sides is going to start fighting and killing people, which means, you know, PP is going to die. So, what does the great leader known as Pontius Pilate do? He orders a guard to bring him a bowl full of water. All right. Is he going to offer him a drink? No. The water arrives. Pontius Pilate dips his hands into the water, washes his hands, and proclaims, I have washed my hands of this matter. You assholes, do what you want. As Yeshua is watching PP clean his hands, we get another flashback to Yeshua sitting at a long table with his entire coven there. For some reason, they're all sitting on the same side of the table, which seems like an enormous waste of space and a difficult way to communicate. Uh, at this long table, everybody's washing their hands in a bucket of water. And end flashback. Smash cut to Yeshua in chains being handed a massive plus sign to carry. Now, this plus sign is huge. And it looks really heavy. And it's time for Yeshua, I suppose, to take the walk of shame. Uh, the cops gather up some other criminals that I guess have been sentenced to death. They're carrying uh, various different logs and what have you. And they all start marching through the town getting whipped. Seriously, all we are missing is the bell lady from Game of Thrones saying, Shame. 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 
Yeshua, however, seems to be all about carrying the plus sign. He's rubbing it, and he says, Dad, if this is what you want, I guess I'm here for it. I don't get that at all. At one point, he almost drops the giant plus sign, but he doesn't because he has a flashback. It's a flashback to him, like, riding a donkey down the exact same road, and everybody was happy to see him. Yeshua, I'm sorry, man, but as my good friend Bob Dylan once said, The times, they are a-changing. You had yourself a donkey and plenty to drink. Now you're carrying a plus sign and stopping to think all the people are angry and a wizard's chasing you. All the times, they are a-changing. The evil black mage is back. She walks with the parade, and thank God the baby is nowhere to be found. Mary asks John to get her closer to Yeshua. Uh, Yeshua takes a sick reverse knife-edge chop from a guard. He does a flare flop, and the plus sign is down. Now, the cops make a big mistake here. They start whipping him, like, whip, 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 whip. Well, hold on, folks. I get that you're mad that he dropped it. And I get that you guys don't want to carry it, because, yeah, it looks pretty fucking heavy. But if you whip him, that's just going to delay how long it takes for him to get up and pick it back up. Yeshua gets up, but now he's definitely just dragging the plus sign. Mary has been sprinting to try to catch up. She takes a break from running. Right as Yeshua walks past her, he falls again. And good God Almighty, they've killed him because the plus sign falls on his head, driving the thorns even deeper. Good Lord, what is this movie? Mary has a flashback. She remembers that Yeshua once fell as a child. She rushes towards him in the flashback, and it's cross-cut with the present where she's running towards him. She reaches him in both the past and present and says, I'm here. This is actually kind of sad. Uh, Yeshua says, See, mother, I make all things new. I'm sorry, what? What does that mean? The plus sign is back in his hand, and Yeshua is ready to walk, and he does. Some guard is transfixed by this, and he's like, hey, that's that's Yeshua's mom. The movie then becomes a long sequence of whip walking. Whip, walk, whip, walk, whip, walk. Then randomly, and I do mean randomly, we cut to a young woman emerging from a cottage carrying a pot of water. Her name, thanks to me pausing and looking at the Amazon Prime Video info, is Seraphia. She seems compelled to fill this pot with water and tells her daughter not to worry. Back in the city, Pontius Pilate looks on from a balcony as Yeshua once again drops the giant plus sign. More whipping! The mayor finally shows up on a horse like, Hey, idiots! He can't carry the plus sign anymore. Help him! Now... Some dude in the crowd who's watching uh, that happens to look like The Weeknd. You know, pop star The Weeknd is just looking on. The guards, because they are lazy cops, are like, Hey, you! You look like The Weeknd! Help him carry that giant plus sign! The Weeknd is like, uh, no. I'm good. Thanks for the offer, though. I'm good. But the crowd of onlookers start yelling at Weeknd, like, Help this guy out! He's a holy man! Now what the fuck? Y'all wanted this guy dead five minutes ago and now he's a holy man? Now, upon threat of persecution, the weekend abides. But as he goes to pick up the giant plus sign, he's like, Hey, 
all you fuckers out there, you don't forget. I know you're going to watch me carry this plus sign, but I'm an innocent guy. So if any of you ladies out there are single, all right, I'm just helping this guy out. I didn't do anything. Yeshua tries to get up, but the sun is blaring down on him. He looks up. He's blinded by the lights. Until the weekend stands in front of the sun. Yeshua gets up and carries the plus sign with weekend's help. Until we have to go down some steps, and Yeshua takes a five-star Tokyo Dome bump off of the steps onto the cold, hard sand. The weekend is rightfully pissed, because now he's having to carry this theme. Out of nowhere, the Titanic theme song starts to hit. The score is like, And Seraphia is here with a towel and a cup of water. She slowly, slowly, slowly walks over to Yeshua. And she's like, Yeshua, don't forget to bring a towel. And she gives him a towel to wipe his face. He does. It it doesn't make much of a difference, though. He hands the towel back to the gal. And I swear to God, she licks it. She then offers him some water, but the guards slap it away and promptly kicks Yeshua in the skull. Well, a lot of good that's going to do you. Uh, suddenly, a giant crowd emerges and starts stomping on Yeshua. However, ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. The weekend's like, hey, knock it off! If you don't stop kicking him, I'm not carrying this giant plus sign one more fucking inch. The cops are like, all right, all right, we had our fun. Let's get this thing back on the road. Uh, Yeshua answers the referee's 10 count, and we're rolling forward, carrying the plus sign, with the help of the weekend, towards God knows where. Yeshua falls again. And the weekend is like, dude, we are almost there. We're so close to being done. All we have to do is get over there. And the weekend points to the tops of what happened to the excuse me, points at the top of what has to be the cliffs of insanity. I mean, sure, you might be so close, but you got to climb that mountain carrying the plus sign? I mean, don't make it sound like it's going to be easy. Yeshua's like, God damn it, I was just there yesterday. And sure enough, we have a flashback to yesterday. Yeshua's giving a speech telling people that they were always taught that you should love your friends and hate your enemies. But I'm here to say, love everyone. Because there's no reward in hate. And you know what? Sound advice, I suppose. The flashback ends and we're climbing up the mountain. Yeshua gets a good look at Caiaphas. We flash back to the same speech. Remember, no one man takes my life from me. I give it willingly by my father's command. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me just crunch some numbers, add the 9, divide by 3. I think I get it! I think I fully comprehend the plot. This planet is tormented by a monster named Sin. Yeshua is a magic user because he got the power of magic from his dad. And he knows he can't defeat Sin. It's too powerful. It's a giant fish monster that takes up the entire screen. See, we all thought that Caiaphas, the evil member of the Imperial Senate, was pulling a cunning ruse by putting Yeshua on trial in the middle of the night. I think the cunning ruse was actually a part of Yeshua's cunning ruse. It's a double cunning ruse. 
Because if Yeshua's dad told him he had to die, that means that when he dies, the monster known as Sin will be defeated by Joe! I think we've done it! USA! 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 No, wait, not a cause for unnecessary celebration? Fine. Yeshua falls. Weekend is like, all right, dude, we're done. I gotta go. Yeshua's like, thank you, weekend! Another face plant, and that's an exit on the weekend. We'll see you next time, I suppose. And hey, look at this. Mary and Magdalene and John made it up the Cliffs of Insanity as well. Yeshua gets back up. We have a flashback to again the same long dinner table where for some reason they're all sitting on the same side. But someone is serving up some hot, delicious-looking fresh bread that I gotta admit is making me crave Subway Eat Fresh. But the flashback is over. They rip off Yeshua's clothes. He's back to his diaper. Wait a minute! More dinner flashback. Yeshua says to everybody, you know what? You are my friends. There is no greater love than a man to lay down his life for his friends. You know, I think I was right about that plot synopsis i just given, folks. I think I've got it based on these words. Back in the present, Yeshua crawls over to the plus sign and stretches out. He gets tied up to it. The cops lift him up. Wait a minute. Why aren't they lifting him up yet? Wait a minute. What's that pointy thing? they're putting over his hand wait a minute what what why are the cops holding a hammer flashback i can't be with you much longer friends you can't go where i am going but when i'm gone i have a commandment for you love one another as i have loved you love one another you know what i like that i like that quite a bit That's something that, uh, you know, humanity could learn from this sci-fi fantasy epic here in the real world. The flashback ends, and I'm starting to feel a little bit better. Holy shit, why is that hammer being raised? Why is the hammer swinging down? Oh my god, they're hammering a giant nail into his hands. They didn't do that to Stephanie McMahon. Good night! Just tie him up for Pete's sake! They keep hammering. Oh, they do it again. Oh, again. Oh, again. Flashback. You believe in me. You know I am the truth, the way, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but me. Well, that's a little self-serving. I I like the other part a lot better about the love one another. But the flashback is over, so uh, let's nail the other hand, shall we? Oh my god, the second arm is worse because they tie ropes to his wrist and they stretch his arm out to get it over the nail hole. Is this a used plus side with a pre-existing nail hole? No time to ponder this because Yeshua's shoulder is completely dislocated, ripped out of place, and I'm puking. Uh, these cops are just having a field day and really enjoying themselves. Now I guess it's time to tie up his feet, I suppose. Nope! More nails. Even Kyphus is like, oh, okay, I'm good. I think we're done watching. Because, I mean, do you ever bump the top of your foot on something, how much it hurts? Oh, God. Some cop walks up and he's like, you idiots are doing this all wrong. You gotta turn him over on his face. Oh, fuck me sideways. They flip the plus side over and they just thump him like, boom. 
all the thorns on the crown like dig into his head more and they dropped the hammer at least so i think we're done with the nails the plus sign is finally hoisted up they make a little sign uh that they hang from it i think it says uh i was stupid with an arrow pointing down more flashbacks Yeshua finally serves up that hot, delicious-looking bread and tells his posse that this bread is his body and his friends need to eat it. You know, the way this movie was going, I wouldn't be surprised if the flashback ended and we cut back to the cops actually eating Yeshua on the plus sign. Speaking of the plus sign, it's up. Yeshua is indeed now crucified. Are we done now? Nope! Flashback to the dinner. Yeshua's pouring some wine. Take this and drink it. This is my blood given to defeat sin. So drink in memory of me. Okay, so when his blood is drained, sin will be defeated, and we should all get drunk and remember how awesome it was to kill sin. Rock and roll! I get behind that one. Back in the present, some other dude hanging from a plus sign yells at Yeshua. He's like, hey, if you're so cool, why don't you escape? Why don't you prove you're a wizard? Caiaphas approaches, looking satisfied. He's like, well, big man, you said you could destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. And yet here you are, stuck on a plus sign. If you're so cool, why don't you get yourself down from there, huh? I dare you. Yeshua yells, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. One of the other criminals that's hanging is like, hey, Caiaphas, did you hear that? He's praying for you. Don't you feel like a dick, huh? Huh? This guy then apologizes for all the shit he did, you know, to get himself uh, hung up from the plus sign. Yeshua, he's like, Yeshua, please remember me when you're dead. Yeah, I don't think Yeshua's going to remember anything when he's dead, but uh, what do I know? But Yeshua's being a nice guy. He's like, "Uh, sure thing, man. When we die, we're going to uh, paradise. Yeah, that's it. You'll be there too. I I promise. Ugh. And then, sure enough, some crows start eating the other guy's face. I mean, it sounds about right for this movie. Finally, we fade tonight. Yeshua's still alive. The cops are literally playing craps under the plus sign at a makeshift table. Like, come on, give me seven. Seven, seven, damn it, six. The movie is just getting absurd at this point. Someone must have yelled Shazam because there's a big bunch of thunder and a storm is starting to brew. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeshua isn't moving. I think he's dead. Wait! Does that mean this thunderstorm is the coming of sin? Ready for the final battle? Are we finally going to have a big fight? Can this movie be redeemed? Everybody starts to get panicked up on the cliffs of insanity. Uh, The cops are like, all right, folks, the show's over. Get out of here. Mary kisses her dead son's feet. Oh, my God, he's still alive because he moved. Oh, that was gross, too, by the way, the kissing of the feet. He says, I thirst. Some cops take a sponge and stab it onto a spear and give him, like, one drop of water. What's the point? I mean, after all this, they give him one little drop of water. They think they're being nice. They're just being dicks. Mary says, Yeshua, can I die with you? Yeshua says, woman, behold your son. Who calls their mom woman? Yeshua starts to cry, says, my God, why have you forsaken me? He dies. Nope! It is accomplished. Wait, does that mean it's time to fight sin? Yeshua says he gives his spirit to his dad, and he's dead. Then, ladies and gentlemen, a single 
computer-generated drop of rain falls from the sky, and folks, this is some real bad CGI. And when the tear, uh, oh, it's a teardrop. When the raindrop hits the ground, an earthquake starts! Then stops. Well, that was weird. Wait a minute. Oh, no, here it comes again! Is Sin about to emerge from the ground and roar like Godzilla to start the final battle? It's the only thing that can save the movie at this point. That doesn't happen. (laughs) The Imperial Senate building is destroyed. I think Kyphus might be dead. The cops can't leave uh, the Cliffs of Insanity until they confirm all the crucified people are dead. So a dude stabs Yeshua to make sure he's dead and like dirt flies out of his body. You know what? I think I quit. What is this movie about? Wait a minute. Kyphus isn't dead. He's just confused. He's in the temple. He starts to cry. Maybe he feels bad. Then we cut to the evil wizard woman from earlier. She's in like a cave that's covered with skeletons. She screams in pain. Is she sin? Is she dead now? Did we win? The good guys take Yeshua down from the plus sign. And we fade to black. Wait a minute. Is this a stinger scene? Yes. We've got a sequel set up. A giant boulder covering a cave entrance is moving. And who steps out of the cave? It's Yeshua! He's clean! He's naked! He's got holes in his body, but he's back! And ready for the sequel! Directed by Mel Gibson. And the movie is finally over! Oh, God! What is this movie? Seriously! Now look! If you've gotten this far, thanks. I'm not dumb. Okay, I live on the planet Earth. I get it. I get it. But what this was, was an exercise in observing the film, The Passion of the Christ. A movie that chooses to explain nothing. A movie that assumes you know what it's talking about. A movie that overindulges in snuffery when it could actually probably have a decent enough plot. A movie that absolutely refuses to be a movie. Because a movie tells a story. A story that can be comprehended based on what you've seen. This is not a movie. And I rest my my case. I'm done. I'm done. Is this movie junk? Yes, because it's not a movie. That's the whole point. They don't give you what you need. They assume you're coming to this with a complete understanding of what you're watching. And you know, I've picked enough up through hearsay here and there in my life. I get it, but I'm unamused. I am not entertained. And you know what? You skipped all the important shit. I'm not even moved. I'm bored. And kind of grossed out. I don't know. I've seen I've seen more disgusting things on cinema in terms of gore. This isn't that bad, actually. It's just it's boring. It's boring. There's nothing here. There's nothing here. I repeat, there's nothing here. But you know what? There is plenty of stuff here on the new TNN podcast feed. You know, Junk Man's just one piece of the puzzle. Sure, we watch some bad movies and we talk about them and make fun of them. But we also have Ring Man, where we talk about pro wrestling. We have Concrete Man, 
where we take a look at all the ridiculous times of Vince McMahon yelled, IN YOUR HOUSE! And we've got Toad Man, a show where we relive Dawson's Creek, the epic tale of a boy and his obsession with recording things. And I hope this show hasn't turned you away from the new TNN. I hope you get the point. This movie is not a movie. It's just nothing. But you're not nothing. And I'm not nothing. I'm Johnny C. And a winner is you. Thanks for 150 episodes. <laughs>